Hi, this is Carol Miller from iHeartRadio's Q1043 in New York. On UK Radio, we bring you a taste of real British local radio with our friends Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson. This time, Nigel and Alan speak to Graham Taylor of the early 70s British progressive rock band Griffin, who have just released their first new album in 41 years. Yes, well, there we go. Jimmy Nail with a lovely guitar from Mark Knopfler and uh, Big River, massive hit about 10 years ago. And it's a song, as I say, that I've rediscovered. And there's a lot of beauty and romanticism in that song. And uh, more power to our elbow. Now, we've now got maybe the oldest thing and the newest thing. Because uh, we're in love as well. Um, but unfortunately, we're not in love with each other. Um, Griffin. There is a band that uh, hasn't been in a studio properly for 40 plus years and yet it's a band, I don't know about you Alan, that uh, I remember from my sort of early 20s, Griffin, I remember the um, wildly striking artistic album covers and the great music they played and uh, you know, do you remember the band? I've got the vague recollection of when they first uh, emerged, but of course, like you say, the very distinctive um, album covers, and of course this one we've got in our hands at the moment uh, is, is no exception, is it? No, and I'm very pleased that we have Graham Taylor from Griffin. So, good day to you, Graham. Good day to you, Nigel. And very... Go on, you were saying, go on. I was just very, very happy to be talking to you. I'm very happy that you're talking to us because, uh, you know, you are the oldest thing and the latest thing, as Dave so eloquently put onto <laughs> the, the management um, blurb. Um, you know, there's so many questions I could ask you, but can I just extol a little bit? Because Alan and myself, we run a very successful, at least we think it's successful, series. We started for 13 weeks and we've been going now for nearly five years yes. um, called Teen Dreams. Now... That's nothing to do with anything but when you're a teenager, you've got the world at your feet, you've got energy to burn, you've got ambition, and you, you, the music at that, between that 13 to 20, 21 years, it seems to strike and resonate a chord with so many people that it's burned within their soul forever. Yes, I agree. And I do remember Griffin um, in the early to mid-70s um, as a band that were, you know, not of the standard pop but very adult grown contemporary because you were a very polished and developed band and yet you know you've now 40 years later you've decided to come back i'm not going to start with the question why what i'd like to say is how does it feel to be the oldest but the latest thing well um i'll tell you what what feels really amazing at the moment is is um how well we've been received with this um, this new album that we've made. I mean, it's just I've uh, I've not had a feeling of you know riding on 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 the surf quite so uh, so much for forty years really. Um, you know, every, every, we couldn't seem to do any wrong in the early days. In, in, in from seventy one, seventy two, we, we got the record deal within about six months of forming the band. And you know, we were, I was only about nineteen years old, as you as you say. I mean. With with all the time in the world and and so on. I mean, now nowadays uh, don't have so much time, but we've decided to put it all together over a period of uh, the last two years, not really knowing what uh, you know whether it was just going to disappear into into thin air or, or what or what was going to happen to it, or even if it was going to be any good if we were going to like it. But uh, I mean, we were all we've all been delighted with the uh, the uh, outcome of this uh, of this effort. You know, we've all put. Um, 
put our brains together and come up with with new stuff that hopefully sounds a, a little bit new whilst all at the same time you know maintaining some sort of connection with the past i think i think we've done pretty well and i'm actually really really happy about the whole thing well you've asked my next not answered but sort of prompted the next question because alan will come in on this when he takes yeah. up the question after did you feel um that you're coming back with obviously something or someone some band something that was much loved by many people you wanted to progress after because 40 years is a long time yeah. and you had yeah. a lot of influences but did you still feel that you had to keep with the griffin tradition or you know did you sort of say no we're going to not do it as we did we're going to do something different and then when you realize you do that you suddenly think is that too risky is that too dangerous is, mm. you know can you see where i'm coming from Yes, I, I can, yeah. I think, you know, the interesting thing, about if you look at the first four, well, even the fifth, the first five albums, uh, the last of which I wasn't involved in, but each album is um, very, very different. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a massive development between the very early days when it's all just, um, you know, recorder and acoustic guitar, maybe uh, a crumb horn, and that's, that's about it. And, uh, you know, then it develops massively through into this sort of rather yes influenced prog rock thing and i think what we've what we've done is is sort of you know chosen the best kind of elements of the styles that we went through in the old days and, and what we what we like about about it best and just kind of crystallize that into into the new work really um so yeah does that answer your question it does because it's very difficult i mean you know because we play play with these teen dreams and we deal with modern artists mm. and uh, artists of two or three generations back i don't say old artists i'd put it in generations not to be kind because i like to be truthful because you know teenagers whether you were a teenager in the 1930s and had to you know not had to but hung around with Glenn Miller and then you yeah. come through Elvis Presley Bill Haley of the 50s the Beatles mm. of the 60s a teenager is still a teenager they have the mm. same thoughts the same ideals the same mm. motivation they just yeah. have they just have a different market and a different music to mark that time yes yes and right. uh, you know your music you know um, and I've always thought that it's been very intricate very delicately put together because your music Certainly. has an awful lot to say and mm. sometimes I think you don't say too much you think wow you know um, you're left with a wonderment because hey that track it's got so much in it you know you well that's right I mean most people repeat things over and over again and you know don't necessarily change the, the chord um, more than once in, a, in, in two or three bars or four bars and, and yet our stuff it, it's so you know, there's so much information going on. I mean, it's almost it's almost hard to digest. I think for some people, the first time, first few times they hear it, it takes a while for you know for it to sink in because, uh, well, as I say, there's a lot of information there. Graham, can I just ask you? Uh, did you uh, see yourselves as a prog rock, a progressive rock band at the time? The reason I ask this now is because. At the late 60s and early 1970s, I'm talking about, as I say, the early 1970s, popular music as such seemed to divide itself into two uh, quite distinct camps. There was the, if you like, the bubblegum, the state, mm. straightforward sort of top 20 stuff. And then there were bands that wanted to be seen as virtuosi. And uh, then as we got into the 1970s, the music um, you know, changed again. Did you see yourselves, first of all, at that time as a prog rock band? Or, or how did you see yourselves? 
Well, um, you know, I, d I don't think we ever wanted to uh, categorise ourselves as anything, really. This is what, why I think it developed so so quickly. Um, and uh, you know, in a way, it, it's the other the other people, uh, you know, the critics and the fans put you into boxes, or they try to. Um, I don't think we ever did. No. Um, you know, almost like I almost feel at the time that the 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 word, the categorization, prog rock, you know, probably didn't really exist when we were actually there. It kind of <laughs> kind of got created a few years later to to describe what what some of these bands were. And I know I I think the answer to that is no, we didn't. We yes. didn't. We just saw ourselves as, as you know four or five, but yeah, good players, virtuoso players. I think that's what, you know we were always. Um, keen on, on showing off what we could do, I suppose, and hopefully not not showing it off too much and too serious, being too serious about it. I think I think the other thing about Griffin was it always had a, a sense of humour, you know, and uh, didn't take ourselves too seriously. Like I think I don't know, I don't know the, the term prog rock seems a little bit stuffy to me. You know, a lot of bands mm. seem to kind of be be just take themselves you know, as I say take themselves a bit too seriously yeah. and I don't think we ever did that we kind of always you know poke fun at ourselves in a way well, and no we didn't we didn't see ourselves as prog rock really well it's interesting you, you bring that up because you've echoed a thought that um, came to me, to me from uh, Mike Harding not Mike Harding from the incredible string band but Mike Harding who was the uh, well some may remember him as the Radio 1 DJ however he was uh, a music producer for the BBC the folk, before the folk show presenter yeah well no th this is uh, mike harding was from the incredible string band he was the folk show presenter but the other one mike harding unfortunately had the same name and he had to always say not the one from the incredible string band all um, oh, right he worked for the bbc but did sounds of the 70s for a time in the early 1970s but he oh, actually yeah. he actually produced the sessions and he's echoed very much what you said because when i had a um, the, the regular Golden Days programme on the air a few years ago, he was one of my guests on that occasion and he said it wasn't so much categorising people, it was more that the guys used to like to come in, they just used to like to play, they didn't like to be categorised or mm. put into a box and that that sort of thing, but this mm. is something that has, has emerged in retrospect I suppose. In, yeah, exactly, in that's what I was trying to say, only you yeah. put it so much better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not at all. But, uh, so, I mean, going back into the, into the studio now, or in front of a live audience, I mean, how do you feel I mean, after all this time, I mean, it's a lifetime, isn't it, really, when you, th when you think about it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I never thought it would ever happen. It, you know, it's like a, a dream looking back to the old days, and, it, you know, it was all over very, very quickly for me, really. We did massive amounts of, of things, in, including, you know, touring the States for sort of seven weeks and playing virtually every day uh, over there and, you know, getting on a plane and travelling 500 miles. Like getting, it became like getting on a bus, and those kind of experiences just... I don't know, it all just kind of went past in the flash of an eye now. And uh, I, I, I mean, we haven't got to that, uh, back to that kind of area again, not yet anyway, although, you know, there is strong talk of um, going over to Japan because, uh, I mean, they've, they've, Marquee in Japan have released a Japanese um, issue of this album already. Mm. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of interest over there. So we, we may start, you know, be becoming international... <laughs> <laughs> international stars so, once again yeah. well you never know I was going to say with the festival season coming up next uh, summer as well but uh, oh what's this we got oh right um, we had ringtones as well we did oh 
Oh. Well, these things happen, you know, when you're yeah. on the phone. Well, what we'll do, we'll try and get Graham back to finish off the interview. But until then, that extols what we've been saying about Griffin's music. It is very, very complicated, very intricately played, yet it's superbly produced. I hope you think the same. Are you asking me? Yes, I am indeed. <laughs> well... As producer of the album, I, I, it's not for me to say. <laughs> oh yes, it is. Oh, oh yes, it is. Oh yes, it is. Because I think. Well, uh, you, I, you know, I, I, I very much appreciate what that you think it's a good production. I, I mean, I, it's uh, it was the hardest, probably the hardest and most complicated project technically in the studio that you know I recorded it in my studio at home. Uh, that I've ever done, and um, I, I do. I have to say, I, I am very, very pleased with it. Yes, thank you very much. Well, there you go. You see, because I took I took a leaf. You see, out of a book of a certain lately past Sir George Martin, who produced all that biography and plethora of work with the Beatles. Yeah, he, huge he, I'm a huge fan of his. Yes, he was always reticent. But I think when he opened up to people, um, and people opened up to him, I think, you know, he saw nothing better than not exemplifying the song, but telling you how he did it, and what he used this trick to do that, and how he got that effect. Yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, but but it is the pleasing thing, and it goes with your album. I mean, I must ask, with this lovely track playing in the background, because I really think it's, you know, I'm expecting to yeah. see the minstrels dancing, and uh, maybe yes. maybe Robin Hood coming out for a for a twirl with Maid Marian or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. What's the inspiration for the fine artwork? I don't think I've ever seen such a CD jacket that's so intricately and colourfully put together. Well, we wanted to again, you know, maintain the feel of, uh, of that we had in the early days. Those covers were very important, and you know, very beautiful paintings by, by a guy called Dan Pierce at the, at the time. And uh, I've uh, I got to know this man, John Herford, who uh, was a psychedelic artist in the '60s and did the covers of um, Oz magazine and and It and you know all those all those uh, hippie uh, psychedelic mags of the '60s. And you know he's still around. And I thought, well, he'd be ideal to ask to uh, to, to be involved. And he's just I gave him the idea of uh, something from Alice in Wonderland. You know with to reflect um, my song, the, the White Knight song, um, and the White Knight, the idea of the White Knight meeting Griffin just came about between the two of us, and uh, you know, it, I think it's absolutely fitting, and, and it really is striking, and, and kind of fits the whole the whole mood of the album, I think. And as far as the mood is concerned, I mean, do you look upon the album as being a concept album? Uh, well, not you know. In a sense that when you when you make an album, it has to hang together as some sort of as a program. I, th I still believe, you know, it's the old-fashioned way of doing it. I suppose because people make their own playlists these days. But even so, I like the idea of it running as a program and having a feel to it from beginning to end. And uh, it's not really, I would say, a concept album. But uh, you know, the concept is uh, is. Is anybody is anybody still interested in Griffin? And, and and here we are now. And this is what we want to say now. That's the, that's no, I th the only I, real concept. I actually think you've marked it there because we come back to where we started with this interview. You know, yeah. um, you've marked. Here we are. We're back. We never really went away, but obviously interest moved on and the music scene moved on. But you're yeah. back. You have something to say. Um, yes. And it's not just that we're the oldest or the latest thing. Um, it's here we are. We're artists, and yeah. the CDs your palette, giving you the finished product. And, uh, and, we're, and we're finding a very receptive audience yes. out there, which is so gratifying. I can't tell you. 
Okay, now I'm going to hand you back to Alan because of the, um, shall we say, the unnecessary um, advertisement break that BT gave us. Um, yes. Alan, you were talking about festivals, so I'm going to say my goodbyes here. It's been a real yeah. pleasure to talk to you, although I'm listening in. Alan will do the wrap. But obviously, please, please um, explain to Alan about the festivals, etc. And may I wish you all the success for your re-entry. Well, thank you very, very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank uh, you. And uh, likewise uh, from uh, me, uh, do you favour the idea of festivals next year at all, Graham? Well, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the next step in, in, the, uh, in the task of putting it all back together is really now, it's, it's, it's kind of it, it spiralled a little bit out of our control. We've got to get ourselves an, an agency. So if, if there's anyone listening out there who <laughs> is doing that job, <laughs> Uh, to organise some uh, touring for us and festivals next year, um, you know that is at, the next thing is to put together an, an agenda of uh, uh, of live gigs for for next year. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we wish you well with it, uh, Graham, and thank you very much uh, for joining us this morning. And we are, of course. I'm, I just have to mention we, we in, in, in ten days or so time, 14th of September, Union Chapel in Islington in London, a big album launch. If anyone uh, right. Before that's fantastic. Thanks, now, before you disappear, because that yeah. just t- tipping me there, of this album, is there any one track that says, you know, that is my PS de Resistance? That is the, you know, you mentioned that Rhubarb Come Home was the hardest, but is there one track that says, yeah, that's where we are at the moment, or is it the whole package? Well, it's the the whole package really i mean i wouldn't say rhubarb crumpon was the hardest to play i think some of the uh, brian gullen tracks are uh, torturously difficult to play <laughs> but uh, you know hopefully they're they're not so difficult to listen to no it's the whole the whole there's no one standout track on this album i don't think it's just a it's a it's a package it's an entirety and a great one it is too so graham once again thank you very much great great pleasure thank you very much bye-bye ah uh, there we go that was Graham Taylor from uh, Griffin, an exquisitely pieced and together there. Now, time is running fast. I think we've got time for one more before we go. What a power-packed show we've had today. And uh, all through this week, I think, um, we really sort of put it all together. I don't know about you, Alan, but I'm just about finished, I think. Quite exhausted. <laughs> it is. We're going to finish out with a, uh, a recleaned version of a classic track from the late 50s. And Alan, I think you would enjoy listening to this, and so do the listeners out there. It's Buddy Holly and Every Day. That was Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson speaking with Graham Taylor of progressive rock band Griffin with their first new album in 41 years. This is Carol Miller. We'll have more local British radio for you next time on UK Radio.